Welcome to the lounge. This is a talk show where I, Jesse Doc Edmond, talk to the movers and shakers of the gaming industry. Today I've got Liz Chai Pratikone of Angry Hamster Publishing. Check out Liz's Kickstarter, Familiars of Terra, active right now. We talk about that and a lot of other stuff. We had a great time. So sit back, relax, and let's chat in the lounge. When uh, when Sunda first sent me, said um, Liz from Angry Hamster Games was interested in, in talking to you, I uh, I was immediately like, oh, interesting. You know that sounds familiar, and I had actually downloaded the um, Familiars of Terra Quick Start like a while back, like, oh, cool. I don't even remember when I just, I mean, I do just go through, um, uh, uh, drive through and just download like quick, free quick starts whenever I can just to like look through stuff. And so when I was looking it up immediately, I saw that cover art and I was like, Oh wait, I remember this. And the art really struck me. Um, and so then the, the last couple days I've been, furiously like going through it and like learning it a little bit so I can have be a better conversationalist about it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'm very excited to, to have, uh, have discovered, uh, what you, what it is you do. So, um, now, um, I, I searched for a video or, or audio or somewhere, um, where you said your last name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is a common that is a common statement when I do uh, when I do uh, podcasts and interviews and stuff like that. I also like you know a lot of pre questions like exactly how do you say the name? <laughs> now and and, and and like I don't want to attempt it and offend you. That's the that's the really yeah. Like I feel like that's probably the common thing. Um, so you can't like just diverging a little bit, but you can't really say my name wrong because my <laughs> name is actually like this kind of garbage name. I know this sounds <laughs> terrible, but basically my family is a family of Chinese immigrants to Thailand. Okay. So what they did um, when they emigrated was they just like stuck a bunch of letters onto my last name, the, the Chinese last name. So the last name doesn't make sense in English or Thai. Okay. Because it was Chinese people trying to make a name that sounded Thai. So, like, even Thai people get tripped up with it, and they're like, I don't really know how to pronounce this. It sounds Thai, but I'm pretty sure it's not, you know? <laughs> so That's amazing. I, okay. Real, like, just to diverge a little bit, and I feel like we're in the conversation now, so this will end up on it. Um, the story about that I heard about my family name, which may or may not be true, uh, I've been I've heard both ways, is that um, at some point in the past, one of my ancestors um, what had was was native was Iroquois, um, mm-hmm. and it had and was given the last name Redman. And mm-hmm. decided to anglicize it when he got married to uh, a white woman, to Edmund. Oh. So that is a story I'm very familiar with. Like, like let's make this a more common thing so as to not have to deal with, um, you know, persecution or 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 embarrassment or any whatever that might be. So, um, can I can I give it a shot? Yeah, do it. Right. Do it, man. Uh. Chiapretical? Yeah, that's basically correct. But the see, and this is where it gets confusing. The L is silent, and you add an N at the back. Ah, uh, chiapretican. Exactly. Ah. So you know who knows. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, that's uh, well. Uh, then uh, I'm I now now when I do the intro, record the intro later, I can say Liz Chiapretican, and. Exactly. Then later on, when you're doing other interviews, you can say, just listen to The Lounge with Jesse. And he pronounces it as correct as you can maybe do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, So 
I'm I'm super excited for your Kickstarter. Uh, I was just looking at what backer level I wanted to go at, um, like literally just as you came on. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> it, it's it's funny because I know like in in talking with with people, I know I'll be. I'll be I'll be backing a lot of Kickstarters and and whatnot. Um, but then you went and put a picture on there of a snake with two heads playing drums. Yeah, yeah. I love that image so much. Um, and and that for me, like that makes me want to play this game right now. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really love how Alex, like our artist, she really captured how joyful the snake was too. <laughs> like, you know, with his second head and he's like has like a super happy mouth and he's just like rocking out hardcore. I mean, yeah, I was really happy with how it turned out. She couldn't have done a better job. That's fantastic. Now, is Alex the, the one that does the art for the, for uh, all of Familiars of Terra? Well, we're going to, in the end, we'll have three artists. So okay. Alex, everything that you see on the Kickstarter right now, Alex has done. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also up for a stretch goal. So if we manage to miraculously get overfunded, she's actually going to make all the cards in a card deck that we're going to have for the game. So that would be amazing. Um, but we also have another artist, uh, Lorena, and she's going to do some additional pieces for the book. Um, and then we have Claudia, who will do the cover, because we, if, if you look on the Kickstarter, we kind of have this Art Nouveau line art thing going, um, and Claudia is an extremely talented artist, so she's going to take over doing, like, the border art and the cover for the book, so all three of them together are, like, this holy trifecta of amazing art for Familiars of Terra. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the the style on the Kickstarter and then in the, in the quick start rules is, is so cool. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I like, I come, I, I, I've read comic books my entire life. And when I look at this, um, it's so much better than what you would see in like average comic book art. Like, like, uh, you know, um, line art and, and that sort of thing, but it feels it has that same degree of character that you can get with that. Um, mm-hmm. And like each of the characters, just just you get a, such a feel of their personality. Just you know, even in their their face and expression and their eyes, and you know, that's everybody should just go look at it. Stop listening to me describe what the art is and just go look at the art. Cause it's, it's fantastic. Um, and while you're there back, back to Kickstarter, I'll say that a couple more times. Liz. Um, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about familiars of Terra. Um, so where did the, this is a thing you're going to hear a million times with interviews, I'm sure. Um, but where did the original idea come from? Well, the original idea came from me really loving animal companions in any role play game I played. Um, like I, I played, I just played Blades in the Dark for the first time uh, last year, and they were going over all the different playbooks you could have, and then and then they're like, oh yeah, and there's this one where you can have an animal, I'm like that one, that one. I don't want to hear anything else. Just give me, you know, <laughs> give me the hound. It's good. <laughs> um, and, you know, I had the same thing with D&D and, you know, every kind of, every role play system. If I can have a pet, I'll have one. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the main issues I found with role play systems is that often animals kind of take a back seat. You know, they're not like this faithful friend that I really want, like this thing that I can interact with and even play myself and have them do really cool things. Because either, either like, I'm terrified they're going to die because mm-hmm. they're super squishy or there's just not that support in the game to have this pet mm-hmm. um, and like enough support for the GM to know how to work around that or not, not work around it, but incorporate it. And that's kind of was the start of Familiars with Terra. That's I, I love where that's coming from. Cause I feel exactly the same way. I've, I've always enjoyed the, the, you know, playing a, a wizard or sorcerer and having a familiar. Um, I can remember, the, the, the old joke of like, oh, yeah, you have a familiar, by the way. And 
I, I kept forgetting that I had a familiar in a different game. And so the next time I played a sorcerer, I think it was, I decided that he had a snake that kept, he kept just wrapped around one of his limbs at all times. Oh, like, awesome. He was, of course he was going to forget about it. It was just hanging out there. Yeah. When he did it, it was, it would just crawl out and do what it needed to do. And you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, um, the, the other anecdote that I'll throw out there is I ran a uh, Forgotten Realms game where one of the guys played a bard druid. wasn't a great choice, but he eventually focused on druid, and he had a bear named Steve. Um, awesome. yeah. uh, and um, by the end of that campaign, when, you know, as D&D games do sometimes, everybody ascended to godhood, Steve had become so much a part of the party that Steve became a god as well. So... Oh, Steve. See? So Steve, yeah, Steve, the, I think he was like a guardian God. Um, and, uh, somebody wanted me to give him a cooler name than Steve as a God. And I'm like, no, <laughs> um, no I think that's an epic name. You know, it's like I, the God. Right? <laughs> named, it's like the boy named Sue type thing, you know, yeah. Steve, the guardian bear God, you know? Um, but, but so I, I, I get, I get that exactly. It's, I loved the idea that as I was reading through this, um, you know, this could have been very easily done in a fantasy setting, like a typical fantasy setting where you have a lot of those same trappings and everything, but instead you made it feel, and, and it, from, from what I can see, uh, with that super awesome band picture, um, you wanted it to feel like it, like this is a modern era, like a modern level era. Yeah, for sure. Like I wanted something that people could, um, could connect to, mm -hmm. you know, I think sometimes that that's a little bit of a, a speed bump into getting into role play games and settings that like, you feel like there's so much you have to learn about the setting. And really for familiars with Terra, all you need to know is that every person has an animal familiar mm -hmm. um, and you get to play a hero and then it's pretty much like our world. I mean, there are some differences, but you can kind of like logically follow them out. Like people eat less to no meat in Familiars of Terra, obviously, because sure. they have animals walking around with them. Um, but everything else, I wanted to feel very human and very grounded so that people could just kind of jump in. And if you need to make something up, you can make something up. If you need to take a car somewhere, there's cars, there's TV, you know, th there's bands and concerts and festivals. I, I mean, it, one of the things that I immediately thought of running this game uh, is, you know, having that moment where they're about to get into a monster fight and somebody's mom calls them on their cell phone. <laughs> oh, no. And they're like, Mom, come on, I'm about to fight this, this horrible monster. Okay, I'll let you go. I just wanted to say one thing, and, you know. Exactly. It's like your dad just wants to know where you put the gardening shears. Like, what are you talking about, mom? They're the basket. Exactly. It's with with the one finger up to the monster. Exactly. No. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I I love that idea that you can insert these kind of real world uh, uh, complications or or uh, advantages into this idea of this magical realm with the, with the familiars. I, I also, I enjoy so much that the familiars do take the, the, the primary role in that. And, um, you know, there was a, there was a thought in, uh, initially when I was looking through it of like um, monster hunter, or I guess Pokemon would be the same thing. I don't, I'm old, so I don't have that reference all the time. <laughs> but, um, but like, like that was my my thought. And then I looked at it and I'm like, no, this is a very different thing. Like, this is a a close personal relationship with a creature that is your friend and companion that you have to. And and the goal of you is to be a hero, to be a good guy, not to just find things and fight people. And I yeah, enjoyed yeah. that that was the through line. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think I think 
And I, I also think it's that's very true to kind of how the world was. Like, what if you had these animal familiars and you knew that there was, um, you know, there used to be kind of these order of peoples, of heroes who used to go around helping people. And, you know, society just came off a big war. I mean, what would you do? I mean, I think I think there would be people who would kind of hear that call to heroism mm -hmm. and genuinely want to help and, and, and try to make the world a better place, you know? One hundred percent. There's also, and, and it's mentioned a couple times, but I, and, and I've read a lot of uh, games that will say this is for all ages and this is meant to, to be, you know, uh, accessible by by younger players and that kind of thing, um, and and it was it came up in somewhere in the copy, um, but then as I was reading through it, I f I kind of forgot about that simply because it doesn't it doesn't have that thing where it kind of talks down to people. It's not like the expectation is that you will play this in a, in some less mature way. It's just that everything is meant to be accessible to everybody. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. Was that kind of the goal going forward is, you know, to, to just make it so everybody could access it, but not necessarily feel like they were infantil uh, inf I'm not going to be able to say that word right now. Um, <laughs> Infantile. Yeah. yeah. Infantilized, I think is the word I was going oh. for, which may or may not be a yeah. word. No, I mean, for sure. Like, I, I'm happy. Like, I'm really glad you say that. Um, and I, I've heard that from a couple other people. So I'm, ha I'm happy that kind of came through because I indeed wanted to make it accessible for everyone. But, you know, for example, some of my favorite fiction is young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and I would even argue when I'm I'm not trying to be super classy that I mostly only read young adult fiction and comic books. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, and a lot of young adult fiction does the same thing that it's okay. It, it's intended for a, a teenage audience, but it never talks down to the reader, mm -hmm. right? Like these are just issues about younger people or, or maybe even not. Um, and there's a cool story that goes with them. And, and that's kind of what I wanted to do with Familiars of Tara, because I think I have only played this game with adults. Um, I know people who have played it with their kids and they've had a good time. Um, but I think kids are very smart, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And kids don't live in a childish world, right? They live in the same world that we do. So why would we treat a game that was also made for them any differently, you know? 100%. I started playing role-playing games. I started, The first time I played Dungeons & Dragons, I was seven years old. Exactly, so yeah. I, did I need a kid's version of Dungeons & Dragons? No, we just had whatever white box I, it was, and I was killed by an air elemental. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, like, like I really started playing games when I was like 10 and 11, like those years were kind of the formative years and I was all over the place with what I played. None of it was here's, here's the child's version of this game. And, you know, no, I think also for kids, I mean, it also has the, like, it almost makes it less cool. At least I'm talking about myself as a child. You know what I mean? Like, Ditto. I didn't want to play the things specifically made for a child. I wanted to play what the adults were playing. You know what I mean? And I wanted to listen to what the adults were listening to. And, you know, even going so far as music, right? And and luckily, kids have this amazing filter that they don't hear all the terrible lyrics, you know, <laughs> that are, are drumming through the music. They just kind of listen to the song and they think it's awesome. And then you get the YouTube video of this little girl dancing to my humps, but it's brilliant because <laughs> she just likes the song, you know? <laughs> well, that's a very good point. The, I, I think the other side of that too is we, we live in an era where, you know, there is the internet. Like if I'm at a party with, with parents around and they have their children around and somebody swears, and and somebody else will freak out about it. And I'm like, yeah, they, these are ten year old kids. The the internet exists. This you know, the all the things that you don't want them to see are the things they're going to seek out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, oh, you're not allowed to say this word. Why? That's the question I used to ask. So it, it's the idea that that. Familiars of Terra it, is that accessible, um, but without being, I maybe pedantic was the word I was looking for, 
but I didn't want to call their other games pedantic accidentally. Uh, um, I'm, I'm on a thin line here, Liz. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're good. I, I understand what you mean, though. Like, yeah, it, it's it's very clear that there's, you know, it's it's clean. I I I like that you mentioned that you read comic books because it does kind of have that feel of like, yeah, we're not talking. I I read, uh, I read tons and tons of comic books um every month and it's you know i'm a 43 year old man so i don't feel like they're talking down to me but i also wouldn't feel bad about giving most of them to a kid you know no definitely not like i have a couple that i i wouldn't but even you know for example like i'm i i just finished again lock and key do you mm. know lock and key oh yeah Oh God, that is such a good series. It's a fantastic um, series. It's so good. Like I'm, I'm such a fan. I just finished rereading it again, um, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, can I give this to my niece yet? And I'm like, you know, I mean, it is pretty intense and it gets pretty dark, but actually, kids are at the center of it, and they kind of are the heroes. And I'm like, you know, I can probably wait another year and, and give this to her already, and she'll get it. You know, she'll think it's awesome. Yeah. I there comes a point where, you know, the children, I mean, I think about when I was once again, when I was younger and, you know, that was, I, I was growing up in the eighties with, with com loving comic books and I'd get my hands on adult books and okay. There'd be a boob in there or something. <laughs> a boob. Well, yeah, I, I'm not kidding. I can I can definitely think of like comic books I got when I was 11 years old that had like one breast exposed at one point, <laughs> and it wasn't like you know, oh, that's so hot. It's like, oh, okay, that's just part of the story. Like, there's a thing going on here, you know. And I like it, that's I mean that's that's maybe a, a, a different kind of thing, but it, kids kids adapt. We're you, you know. We, we don't always take that into account um, un unless we remember what it was like to be kids. And I feel like you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the world itself too. Mm -hmm. um, so Terra is the name of the, the world, the world. And then the continent we play on is tier tier. Yeah. And um, so I was reading through, the the different nations and <laughs> i kept i i don't know what kind of mindset i think by that by then i was already bought in i'm and ready to play and um you would describe uh how how each seeker um by the way the heroes of this world are are the seekers and they're the ones that have the familiars um and you and you had what each seeker was like from each nation. And literally as I read through each one, like even with the first one, I was like, Oh, that's what I would want to play. And so then by, I got, by the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, Oh, I want to play any of any one of these, which is great. That's not a thing that happens all the time with games. Um, but let's let maybe just, uh, 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 an overview of, of what the world is kind of based around. Okay, so you have one continent, um, and they're just coming off a war. So actually, in reality, there are six nations, but only five of them are playable. Mm -hmm. um, and the five playable nations are Amerland, and uh, the Amerese are basically these ancient dynasties. Um, they're very rich, they're very affluent, and they have these ancient dynasties which kind of go back to you know years and years and years so each person belongs to one of these dynasties and the emery's are all about you know trade making money art and you know kind of family infighting okay. basically politicking between the different dynasties then you have endril or the drill are from endril and they are basically people who are very in tune with animals and also kind of like the nature aspects of things like before the vast war before the war happened they were mainly migratory people because what they would do is they would um, they would migrate with these giant animal kin. Like I'm talking like the size of skyscrapers mm -hmm. who they called ancestors. Whoa. So each kind of group of people belonged to an ancestor. But unfortunately, when the war happened, a lot of these ancestors died 
and their land got terribly bombed, and now they're all kind of stuck in individual places between all these different bombed areas. Um, so it's like a kind of nation that's trying to find its way back to uh, to its roots. Mm -hmm. um, then you have the Fendarians, and uh, these are kind of like the peaceful farmers who ended up becoming the political capital of the continent, mainly because they really tried during the war to kind of keep everyone calm and ended up being the main force behind driving the plinth, which is the evil nation back. Um, so they're all about living a good life. You know, you have in the north, there's a bunch of beer brewers. In the south, there's a bunch of farmers. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, you, you have big, uh, big cities with a bunch of, you know, what we would consider something like the UN. Mm -hmm. um, then we have uh, Inther, and Inther were actually on the bad side of the war for a really long time, but when it turned out that their allies were kind of experimenting on them and doing terrible things to their people, when everyone found out they rebelled and they joined the allies to basically beat the evil nation back, but because of that, Inther is going through a really hard time. They uh, they're kind of uh, they have a lot of plain lands and deserts and things like that and that's actually turned into huge tech dumps where all what how Inther's making money is they're letting other nations dump stuff in their in their home oh. so it's raised kind of a nation of people who are scrappers so they'll go through and like recycle um, and try to find all this tech and sell it at market and you know so you're all about survival and ingenuity and creating and things like that. Um, and then finally, you have Ratha, and uh, this is a nation of warriors, basically, and and warriors in the broad sense, because Ratha's um, very much believe like whatever your um, whatever your strongest at, whether that you're that you're super smart or you're fast or whatever, you should excel at. Mm -hmm. um, you should try your hardest, and if you don't, you're a failure. Um, and they very much believe that, and that's kind of what drives this entire society um, and their warrior culture almost. Um, and they uh, they also kind of live very special because they live, um, rather than being really bonded to a nuclear family, they're actually bonded to an entire group of people who live around these giant trees. So you could have like five women that you consider your mom and like six dads because everyone kind of raises and cares for one another and they just believe in their own strength, which is really cool. That's very cool. Um, That's very cool. And then of course you have the evil nation plinth mm -hmm. and um, not to get too much into them, but they have basically closed their borders um, and are doing various nefarious things because uh, well, one of their experiments that kind of got loose during the war is an sentient AI who has slowly been taking over the minds of all the people in Plinth. So seekers should probably go and sort that out very soon. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine that's the main theme of the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like going in and just fixing, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can see like in each nation, there's something a little broken still, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? There's something that's still not exactly right. Um, and that's your job as a seeker is to go there and, and right those wrongs. One of the one of the early sentences in the in the quick start, I know I keep referencing this, but it's fresh in my brain, uh, is um, and it really struck me. Uh, it's about being the generation who must heal the world. Um, and that really, I read that sentence. I was like, I, I that I think that was the moment I was in, Liz, is when I read that. I was like, oh, that feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, I mean, definitely. I think I think it's also very topical to kind of the world we're living in today, not to get too political. Sure. Um, and I think this uh, this game also, like, you know, I, I a lot of the development for it happened last year and the playtesting and stuff like that. And it was kind of a dark year, mm -hmm. no matter what your view on politics are and, and how you align yourself. I think it wasn't the best year for the world. Um. So, so a lot of this game creation for me really came from from pushing against that and being like, you know, there there is hope. Mm. You know what I mean? We can do something. And if if place like Terra has hope, you know what I mean? Our world has hope too. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a good through line to have right now. I think it's it, just to have this positive message, um, and and it made me smile reading it. 
I'm not going to lie. Like that was, I read that and I was like, you know, had that, that moment of like, Oh, I'm going to enjoy reading through the rest of this. Um, I, I do want to stress like to people who are listening that the, the feel of each of these nations is, is very distinct and very original too. And, um, as a writer and creator and game master and all that stuff, I've done the shorthand of using real world cultures and maybe mixing them up and stuff like that. But you can always tell, you know, like if I have Japanese elves who have a culture that's a mix of, or uh, if I have elves that have a mix of Japanese and Irish culture, like you can tell the things I, I pull from. If you mixed cultures, Liz, uh, to create these, I can't really tell what they are because they seem very original. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I mean, I so I um, I grew up like I'm a bit of a, a mess or a mix myself. Okay. Um, I'm half Thai, half Italian. Um, I was born in the states. I grew up in Thailand and England, and now I'm in the Netherlands. And I always went to international schools. I was very fortunate because my mother was a teacher, so I could always go free to these schools. Oh. Um, and so I grew up with a bunch of people who were kind of big mixes like me. Okay. So it was really fun to create this world, which was just kind of made for people like me in terms of like, yeah, I don't really know where I'm from, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and that's kind of what I tried to infuse in Terra. And I hope the nations come across like genuine and familiar yet alien to everyone. That is exactly the feeling that I had. So coming into this cold, I looked at this and I was like, this, it felt like I said, there was, there was that, that thing in my head that kept trying to find the through line to the real world. And it just was like, it's almost this, but it's not quite. And, and I just realized like, especially once again, looking at the art on the Kickstarter and you have the, the five nations represented by characters, you know, there's, it's just this unique feel to each of them, mm-hmm. um, which, which is, is amazing. Um, and now I'm going to hazard a guess. I know we don't want to talk too much about the evil plinth guys, <laughs> um, but the, uh, the one character within the black with the rhino, is that a plinth? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Yeah, wait till you see the whole picture of the rhino. The rhino is terrifying. Um, I asked the artist, I'm like, can you just put an animal head on a machine body? And she's like, yep, no problem. Um, and it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so excited about this. Now, um, and that's that's going on right now. Um, I'll drop show notes and everything. Now, this, of course, isn't your first game. Um, you had, uh, it was Witch. Mm, mm, I don't want to get the name wrong. Um, Witch Faded Souls. Faded Souls, yes. And was that released last year? Yeah. That was two years ago now. Oh, was it? Okay. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, that was our first Kickstarter. The Kickstarter was actually three years ago, and then we released a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first Kickstarter that really got me into the publishing business. And luckily, it was is successful, and we had a lot of really awesome backers who supported us. And it was very cool. A very different game than mm-hmm. Familiars of Terra. But, I noticed uh, yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like Familiars of Terra was almost a pushback from Witch. Like, I'd finished Witch, and it was... It can be a very emotionally heavy game because it's all mm-hmm. about, like, basically you play a witch or warlock who sold their soul to a demon for power, and it's kind of about you clawing and scraping and, and trying to find your humanity again and, and become a kind of full person and all the baggage that goes along with that. Um, and then I was like, I want to make something about animals and being a hero. <laughs> yeah. That's... I, it's You can tell... Uh, in the in the the feel of both of those products that um, there's there's kind of this pushback there um, and they have one of the things I noticed is, is that which um, I I didn't uh, I, I haven't looked through it that much but the system seems very different from uh, familiars and Terra is that kind of a 
uh, a thing that you you basically your process is to kind of create um, a mechanical uh, mechanism that is unique to each game. Well, when I yeah, like which you know which system fit, fits which, and we actually have a game coming out. Um, after Familiars of Terra called Afterlife, mm-hmm. which is in um, the same world as Witch, but different. Um, and it uses the same uh, same system as Witch. Okay. Um, but just updated because, of course, we've learned things over three years, but I won't get too much into that. Sure. Um, but Familiars of Terra was such a different game. Um, and I really wanted it to be accessible, you know, not just for kids, but also for adults who have never played a role-play game before. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that it would just, the game system would fit the tone of the game. Yeah. Um, and the witch system definitely wouldn't do that for Familiars of Terra. Um, they're just, they're almost just two different monsters, you know? Um, so yeah, I ended up creating a unique system, um, for Familiars of Terra. And I even, I tried for a really long time to keep with dice and not use a deck of cards. But at one point, like, I just couldn't deny that cards were far better than dice for the game. And then in the end, maybe that's even better for people who aren't familiar with role-play games, that they just can get a a poker deck and play, you know? I I actually very much agree with that. And um, as when I was looking at the system, it's it's such such a simple, basic mechanism to play, but... Then you know, you, I, looking through the pre-made characters, you can see where it, it, it's it's the whole um, you know seconds to learn, years to master kind of you know. There's there's the strategic element to it, um, and I'm I'm a sucker for any game that uses cards myself. So that's it's uh, a big plus right there. <laughs> Yeah, and I think a, a lot of familiar to terrorist mechanics, you know, like, so we have the basic system, which is just like you said, like, literally seconds, you can, we explain it, I think, in three sentences on the Kickstarter, because mm-hmm. that's actually all you need to know. Yeah. Um, and then there's a lot of things that you can get in Familiars of Terra that are mechanical, but that you define yourself. Um, mm-hmm. Like your titles, you get to define what your title is. And a title is basically something that a seeker learns from a mission. Um, and then with each title, it'll give you a bonus to one of your attributes, but you still have to define things about it, like what did you learn and who did you anger? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are very simple mechanics that you don't need to really know or memorize, and then they just kind of add more to the story and to the world. Um, and the the other thing that struck me about it is that the familiars, when you're in combat, the familiars can adjust... Um, like maybe how many cards you're playing or, or how, how you're, you're introducing the card into it. I mean, there's, there's a lot of variation in there. Um, is there, so the, the human in the game really doesn't do combat per se, right? Am I right? To no, that? Yeah, no. Okay. Cause humans are weak. I mean, like, I think <laughs> like, you know, like a human could in familiar Sotera get their butt kicked by a cat. Okay. So, <laughs> You know, it's, it's like, you know, how many horse-sized chickens or chicken-sized horses can you beat? You know, and, and in Familiars of Terra, it's none. You can beat none. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if, if someone's fighting, it's the Familiars, because, of course, they don't want their humans to, their squishy little humans to get hurt. Yeah, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, well, and, and the, the Familiars are, just by virtue of being Familiars, are automatically something powerful. Um, it's, it, 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 I'm just so, I'm just so fascinated by this, this game. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I keep thinking of like, oh, I need to ask this question next. And then I get ahead of myself. And then, so, um, I'm backtracking in my brain. Um, the, and the, the other thing that there, there are real animals or, like real world style animals in this world, but the familiars have kin attached to them. So if you have a chicken, it's a chicken kin or horse would be a horse kin, that kind of thing. Um, is there uh, just, just from a world background standpoint, um, is, is there, can a, can a normal say house pet become a familiar? 
Yeah, of course. Like, so basically, um, every person goes through um, a thing called the bonding. Okay. Um, and that's you go through that in your late tweens, early teens. Okay. Um, and that's when you find your animal familiar, or your animal familiar finds you. Got but it. It very much depends on the nation you're from, how that happens. For example, like in Fender, you know, the kind of the laid back people, it could be that like, you know, your family breeds horses and, you know, you, when one horse is born, when you're like five, you're like, yep, this is my familiar. But then you go through the bonding when you're older. Um, and then you have nations like Endril who will actually like, they'll go out into the plains and they'll throw this giant party um, for you. And basically, you keep partying until an animal familiar walks into the party, and that becomes your familiar. <laughs> um, so it very much depends on on where you're from, how it happens. Oh, that's crazy. Um, and for example, oh, sorry. Oh no, I, I was gonna say there's so there's a cultural aspect to that bonding based on where you're from that which I love. Yeah, for sure, because also people view familiars different, right? So like everyone views, I think, generally in terror, except for the plinth. I, can't, I feel bad for the plinth that I keep saying that, but like, you know, everyone in terror views familiars as an indispensable part of their life that they would never abuse, you know what I mean? Because it's like, would be like abusing part of yourself. But besides for that, everyone has a very different view of what familiars are. Like the drill, the people from Endril believe that um, when you meet your familiar, you meet the other half of your soul and then you're complete. Hmm. Um, but like the people from Inther, for example, they very much like, you know, they're like, yeah, no, I, I grew up with this animal. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. this animal helped me scrap all this stuff. Like this, this is like my brother or sister. It's not really a part of my soul, you know? That's awesome. That's so cool. And now, so, so everybody has a, a familiar, um, and then there are those that are, is it a calling to be a seeker? Yeah, so you you get a you have a calling, um, and uh, basically you become a seeker. And normally, when you become a seeker and you start performing epic deeds, your uh, your animal becomes more awesome too. So like every familiar isn't walking around with these crazy awesome mutations. Like maybe familiars will have one or two or none, but the seekers' familiars, you know, the people who actually have this kind of epic destiny. Um, their familiars are really the ones that start getting crazy awesome, like turning pink and growing horns and growing giants and everything else. Yeah, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I'm just, I, 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 it's, it's such a fun game. What, what led you to, to this is the worst transition I've ever done as an interviewer. So, uh, <laughs> um, what? But what led you to to become a game designer? Um. Well, I've been gaming for many years, and I loved writing. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think we all like all gamers. We all have that one thing that we've written that is like, yeah, this should become a game. You know. <laughs> Um, and I, I turned out that I had very many of these one things. And then I was like, you know what, I, I'm just going to try it. And maybe no one will like this. And, and, you know, maybe it won't be a success. But then at least I know that I've tried. And I've kind of followed my passion. Um, and like, you know, that that's very much where Witch came from. Like, I had finished the entire book. And I'm like, you know, even if I get like 10 people that I don't know, who will back this project and play this game, like, I feel like a success. Um. And that's kind of where it came from and what I what I tried to do. And then, of course, my view of success changed after I was successful. But, you know, <laughs> that's a different story. Well, it's I mean, it's always the, you know, I'm successful at this. Now I need to find the next level of success. So, yeah, I understand that entirely. Um, now, what what games have you played? Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, <laughs> so D&D. Sure. Lots of D&D. Uh, lots of World of Darkness, lots of Onyx Path, Blades in the Dark, Urban Shadows, any, lots of Apocalypse World. I, I realize that that's from different companies and there's very many games, but I've played a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but my current games, so currently I am in a short thing of D&D &D when me and my friends can actually meet up and play. Mm -hmm. That's it. Um, I'm running... Uh, Vampire the Masquerade Dark Ages, 
and we're going to transition into playing Invisible Sun when we get our Epic Cube. Um, <laughs> and I'm running Blades in the Dark, and I'm doing a one-off for Bluebeard's Bride soon because, like, that game is amazing. Oh, that game. I'm dying to play that. Um, yeah, my my group, my regular group uh, that that has basically said, yeah, you, you can go to convention and play that. I'm like, fine. I don't want to play with you anyways. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's fantastic. I haven't played, I've heard a lot of really cool things about Blades. And I oh my goodness. Is it amazing? It is so good. I played it at Origins last year. And I was like, you know, I told you the whole hound story. And I was like, yeah, sure, give me the hound. And I was so in love with that game at the end of it. I was like, I can just finish this convention now. I don't want to do anything. I want to take this book. I want to go home and I want to play three days. Like, uh, it's so good. Like, I I had seen it on Kickstarter and I'm like, oh, this isn't the game for me. Mm -hmm. And then I played it and I can't say enough positive things. I'm just going to keep fangirling. Like... <laughs> I, you know, if you like Thief and Dishonored, like mm -hmm. th those video games, like if you like that type of feel, like this game is just amazing. It's so good. I, uh, yeah, I, I think the more I hear about it, the more I'm like, oh, I really have to try this at some point. So, um, did now, I, I've, I've thought of just bringing it to my table with my regular group, but I feel like I need to play it before I, I run it. You know, or, or watch an actual play of it. Like, it, I, I mean, I think you could watch, like, if you watched a couple plays of it, you could figure out and run okay. it. Like, they give so many tips, and it's, it's pretty straightforward, though there's a lot of mechanics to, to know, um, which makes this the game really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like, oh, man, if you get it right, it's just like playing a video game. It's crazy. Like, even down to, like, the skill trees and the way you, like, level up your, your cool criminal base and... I'll have, I'll have to look into it. I'm I'm I'll I uh I will I will take your suggestion. Now, uh speaking of actual plays, um uh, which is one of those things that I always forget because I forget that we live in the future now. Um <laughs> but uh you you have an actual play coming out with um she's a super geek, correct? Yes, yes, I'm so excited. I really like playing with Senda and Emily, and we've only done it once or twice, so I'm really excited to play again. Yeah, it's there. Uh, I'm I uh, I'm I'm hoping uh, I, I'm I'm excited for the day where I'm invi invited to guest play on that show. Um, not that I'm not that I'm seeding my own podcast with with rec with, with requests, but uh, um, <laughs> and and. So I'm I'm excited to hear that. I'm not sure of the date that that comes out, um, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure. Well, I know this will proceed it because um, as we're speaking right now, you launched yesterday for your pod or for your Kickstarter, and then yeah. we're talking today, and then this will be uh, live tomorrow. Um, cool. So. Uh, so the the Kickstarter will be two days old, everybody, and you need to get out there and and support it and um, and give them money because this is amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, now is this you're you're in this now? You're at Kickstarter phase now. Um, it sounds I'm. From from a lot of people I've talked to about Kickstarting, uh, Kickstarter, you're probably at this point pretty much done with the whole book and everything, right? Yep. Yeah. We uh, we're finishing a couple things in the GM section, which we needed to add in like familiar stat block, uh, like NPC stat blocks and stuff like that. But once the Kickstarter is done, it's gonna just go directly into editing. So. Amazing. Um. And so what's next? Um, well, hopefully we're really successful mm -hmm. with the Kickstarter. <laughs> and we can also produce a guidebook for Tara. But I mean, okay, that's maybe I'm, I'm getting greedy because that's at a very high 
extremely overfunded stage. Um, but that would be awesome to do. Um, but after that, at least in terms of Angry Hamster Publishing, we are working on a couple games. Um, I think the next game, though, that we're definitely going to release is um, Afterlife. And there's an Ashken out for it. So basically, excuse me one second. <coughs> Sorry. That's OK. Um, in Afterlife, uh, you die. Mm -hmm. but your soul doesn't go where it was meant to go. So it doesn't go to heaven. It doesn't go to hell. It doesn't turn into nothingness. Um, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, you actually, you take a long dark boat ride and you end up on a shore of an endless desert. And mm -hmm. the entire purpose of this, so this is kind of your afterlife where you've end up, ended up is that you need to go through the afterlife and go to different kind of entrances to different afterlives and see where your soul will end up. So, so adventuring in that is is about finding out where you're supposed to go. Exactly. Cool. And you basically you travel the tenebris. That's what it's called. And as uh, as you would experience different afterlives as you go into these kind of portals into another other worlds almost. Um you have a map which actually grows on your skin like a giant tattoo. Whoa. Um, and in the end, you follow that map to your final afterlife. Oh, that sounds cool. That sounds so cool. Um, did you, did you need to pause to grab a drink of water or anything? Oh no, I'm, I'm fine. It's, it's, it's out of my throat now. Okay. okay. <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but. Um, well, yeah, the, here we just call it it's still winter for some reason. So <laughs> um but uh that's okay. So I I there's a there's this cool through line of that I'm seeing in in the games um that you have where they seem to be very much about relationships with and, and and if i'm off you can just tell me that i'm that i'm wrong here but like relationships with kind of abstract concepts in a weird way is that too far did i take it too far i might have taken it too far <laughs> no I, I you know i a lot of like one thing that i like thinking about as an adult um is kind of my relationship to the universe mm -hmm. and the world and and this is i think compounded by the fact that i am a very staunch atheist okay. which maybe you wouldn't know by reading my games <laughs> um, but like i love thinking about these kind of larger concepts um because i think i can't fully grasp them in the way like you know the idea of a soul sure or you know the the concept of of I don't know, like a, a bond that cannot be explained. You know what I mean? Like what you have with familiars. So that's something I'm always exploring in my games because I find it so fascinating and so interesting. Um, and maybe in a very strange way, that's kind of the way I connect with those concepts without actually believing in them myself. I think that's perfectly valid. I think that's a great way to do it. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I had a last year I was invited to um, this convention called RPC in Germany mm -hmm. and they asked me to give a workshop. And so I did uh, game design in a nutshell and I had people design a game in an hour and it was a lot of fun. And I kept for some reason it was funny because I kept mentioning faith as a way that you can kind of center your game around, you know, what people what are their core beliefs. Mm -hmm. And you know what are their are their religions and stuff like that and and how is the cosmos built? And I must have harped on it a lot because <laughs> at one point I was like, so does anyone have any questions before I give you 15 minutes to create a game? Good luck. And this, I had had one question. This person's like, does my game have to be about religion? And I'm like, oh no, oh, no, no, sorry. <laughs> that is definitely my own thing. <laughs> this is like, please. Please don't let me put that on you. Please just make whatever you want, you know, <laughs> like, so, I mean, I guess it is pretty telling in my games. I, well, I, I think that that's, that's amazing though, because you're, you're using games to explore these questions that we innately have, regardless of what we believe in. Right. Like, you know, it, I, I feel like even, even the people that I know that are, 
that are staunchly religious, no matter what the religion might be, still can kind of ask those questions. And I think that that's a lot of what art does is help to, to either answer those questions or help us explore what those questions are. And gaming games, what I love about games is that's art that you can interact with. Um, and, and, and through that interaction, maybe explore who you are. Um, you know, with which it sounds like, it, it seems to me with which that you're exploring maybe that darker side of it. Um, mm -hmm. And then with Familiars of Terra, you're exploring that lighter side. Um, and uh, I don't know, it may, is Afterlife the neutral one? <laughs> I don't know. Now, I mean, now I'm applying D and D alignments to to game design. Cool. <laughs> no, I mean like that, that's funny. I was I was talking to uh, my partner in crime, Steffi, about Afterlife, mm -hmm. and um, when I I brought her onto the team, um, she's the other Angry Hamster of Angry Hamster Publishing. Um, when I brought her on the team, you know, I, I gave her all the materials. I gave her Familiar to Terra and Afterlife, and I'm like, hey, read this. Let me know what you think, and let me know what you're interested in helping on because the the books weren't finalized yet. Mm -hmm. um, and she's like, because she had read Rich already, and she's like, Liz, I know Afterlife is in the same universe kind of as Witch. She's like, but this isn't as dark of a game, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't think it is. And she's like, but it's not a happy game. I'm like, no, it's also not happy. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously something went wrong in your life. But I think, you know, the in Witch, you very much have a struggle with yourself because of what you've done and that that can go very dark. You know what I mean? Like why exactly would you give someone this integral part of you mm -hmm. that normally comes from a very dark place or a very needy place almost, but in afterlife, it's kind of like, well, I'm here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what do I and, do and, now? And that can be dark, mm -hmm. but sorry. Well, I, I, I'm here now. What do I do now? You know, exactly. And, you know, that can turn dark with introspection, but it doesn't have to be, you know, sure. you could also be like, hey, this is kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, that's I, that's fantastic. Um, I'm very excited for that. I uh, I we're we're nearing the end, but I I had to ask one big question. Um, I had to ask about the name of your publishing company. And let me preface this by saying that when I was in college, I had a pet. There was a hamster named Buttercup. And <laughs> Buttercup was, I used to joke that she was five pounds of hate in about a quarter <laughs> pound hamster. So. Um, okay. So there, there's like kind of, there's two sides of the name, right? Like I love hamsters. Mm -hmm. um, I have sometimes been called a hamster by people. <laughs> but maybe I'm also five pounds of hate or well, a few more pounds than five, but okay. Um, but uh, there's also um, there's a game called Baldur's Gate, mm -hmm. and there's a hamster there. His the name's Boo. The the is that the giant hamster? The, the miniature giant space hamster. Yes. Yes, the miniature giant space hamster. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So the the, the name kind of was an amalgamation of all these things. Um. And then we're like, you know what? Like we're pub we we take ourselves seriously at the publish like at angry hamster publishing but like we also wanted a game that, a name that would make people smile sure. so it, it turned into angry hamster publishing because it's it's something a lot of people can relate to <laughs> i love it it's it's I, I immediately thought of buttercup and so i was like oh the the hamster that the only person she wouldn't bite was me which was <laughs> not always true which <laughs> Yeah, she 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 had her tastes of me. There, she used to, I used to study in my bed, and she would crawl around in the blankets. And one day, I felt this really sharp pain in my big toe, and I lift my foot up real quick, and she's she's flying into the air because she was connected <gasps> to my big toe. Um, and she landed on the bed. She was fine, but she just just tried, you know, decided to to see what I tasted like. And apparently, I, yeah. I didn't taste very good because she never tried again. <laughs> she obviously had to taste for blood. You oh. know, you, you said she had to taste for something, and it must be blood. <laughs> it must be blood. Oh yeah. Oh, we used to put her in the hamster ball, and she would chase the cats around the house. 
Um, really? Oh yeah. Like when I moved back home, like, like this hamster would be, uh, okay. I'm going to throw one more anecdote out, um, with, with the hamster. So I came home one day and my mother was there. It was just my mom and I when I was growing up and, uh, and she's standing in the kitchen laughing, like, like, almost uncontrollably i'm like what's going on and i look and there's my hamster i just moved home it's sitting in the ball in the middle of the living room with all with we had three cats and all three cats were in different corners of the room just staring at it and i'm like <laughs> what what is wrong with you that you would do this to this poor hamster so the youngest of the cats and the cats were making these weird noises and the youngest of the cats they stopped making noises the youngest and i'm convinced that they were like somebody should go touch it and they they decided the youngest one should go touch it. So the youngest one kind of crawls down very slowly, gets down on the ground, starts moving, is about two feet from the hamster. The hamster's buttercup's facing the other direction. Immediately pivots and starts running towards the cat. <laughs> and the cat is like trying to back up and gets hit with a hamster ball. Goes running away. And I was like, <laughs> that, that hamster's just going to be fine. <laughs> Yeah. So I think it's lucky that the lucky for the cats, the hamster was in the ball. I know. <laughs> if I didn't have this force field, so uh, so there's my ang- angry hamster. Buttercup will always be my angry hamster. Um, and uh, yeah, I I uh, I love also that your your name is a reference to my favorite deity monster of all time, which is the the space hamster. Um, because go for the eyes, boo. Buttercup. <laughs> Buttercup. Yes. Um, well, fantastic. Um, where can people find you on all the things? On all the things. So we have a website, angryhamsterpublishing.com. We are on Twitter at angryhamsterrpg. And we're also on Facebook. And that's Angry Hamster Publishing. Oh, and we also, um, I just created a community for familiars of Tara for like our backers to interact a little bit more. Um, and that's Familiars of Terra on G+. So if you just type that in, you should be able to find it. Very cool. And and how about you, if people want to follow you specifically? Um, me specifically? Ooh. Um, you can follow me uh, on Twitter. Okay. And I'm at EpicXCloth. EpicXCloth. Perfect. And all that will be in the, the show notes and everything. Um, Liz, thank you so much for for coming on. Um, I'm very excited to listen to Saskig. Uh, you know, when when Senda said that you they that you guys had recorded that, um, I can't wait to check that out. Uh, I'll be plugging Saskig on at the the end notes of the show anyway. So, um, but thank you so much for coming on. And uh, as I as I'm certain I'm going to do for every guest that I have, you are welcome to come on my show. Um, anytime you want to, because uh, I really enjoy talking to you. And I feel like we scratched the surface of what we could actually have a conversation about. Um, so um, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your day for this. Yeah, thank you for having me. Like, this was really fun. And I, I know I had to stop myself sometimes. I'm like, Liz, reel it in. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I definitely did too. And I was like, oh, no, be a host, Jesse. Um, <laughs> So, so sometime when you don't have any Kickstarters or anything, just come on the show and we'll talk about cool stuff. Yes, fun, cool. I will totally love it. Uh, well, Liz, thank you so much, and uh, and I know it's a very different time for you right now in the day than it is for me. Um, so enjoy your evening. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to enjoy my day, and um, and we will talk soon. Thanks once again to Liz for stopping by the lounge. Everybody go out and check out her Kickstarter with Angry Hamster Publishing called Familiars of Terra. It's a fantastic game and I can't wait to try it out. And in a little bit, it's going to be on another misdirected Mark show. She's a super geek. Senna and Emily play games that focus on women as game masters. So go check that one out. 
the tune you're listening to right now is And So It Begins by Artificial Music, used under Creative Commons 3.0. Thanks once again for stopping by the lounge, and we will see you soon.